Welcome to the Harmonia Early Music Podcast. I'm Janelle Davis. Bring up a discussion of Mozart, and someone is bound to start humming, Eine kleine Nachtmusik, or cite an internet article on the benefits of Mozart and intelligence, or even the ability of Mozart's music to raise IQ scores, especially if listening begins in utero. And ask many people how Mozart died, and you'll likely get a tale of genius and prodigy, one about a womanizing, starving artist with a silly and annoying laugh who was often vulgar and childish, a man who, in the end, spiraled into obsession and died young, poisoned by his rival and arch-nemesis Salieri while composing a requiem mass for a secret commissioner. While there are elements of truth, much of this tale is gleaned from Peter Schaeffer's 1984 stage play to blockbuster hit, Amadeus. Schaeffer's fictionalized and largely romanticized account of Mozart's life was itself inspired by a short drama written all the way back in 1830 by Alexander Pushkin, which in turn became the libretto for Rimsky-Korsakov's 1897 opera, Mozart and Salieri. So you see, the stories and urban legends about Mozart aren't anything new. A good story is ample fodder, and there is always something significant about last words. Mozart's Requiem was his final musical sentiment to the world, and that, perhaps more than anything else, is why this piece holds such a place in the composer's popular legacy. In actuality, Mozart's Requiem exists only as fragments, its completion attended to posthumously by many others. Mozart began work on the Requiem in October of 1791, fell ill in November, and died on December 5th. The only movement Mozart entirely finished before he died was the opening movement we've been hearing, the Requiem Eternum. Other movements are mostly there. For the Kyrie, most of the Sequencia and the Offertorium, Mozart wrote out music for the four voices along with key melodic and structural parts for the winds and strings. But in the Lacrimosa, Mozart only completed the first eight bars, and as far as we can tell, no material written in Mozart's hand survives for the rest of the piece. After he died, Mozart's widow, Constanza, took up the task of having the Requiem finished. Maybe it was a question of pride, or a chance to honor her husband's work, or more likely, it was a matter of earning the rest of the commission. 
One way or another, Constanze enlisted the help of several of Mozart's students and a friend to finish it. Franz Jakob Freistädler added string parts in the Kyrie. Abestadler added string parts to the Domine Jesu Christu. Josef Eibler worked out much of the missing instrumentation up to the Lacrimosa, but it was Franz Xavier Sussmeier who did the most, filling in and reworking his colleagues' preceding work, completing the Lacrimosa, and in all likelihood composing the Sanctus, Benedictus, Agnus Dei, and Communio, largely from scratch. For this task, Sussmeier may have had the help of oral instructions from Mozart, or possibly sketches that are now lost. Entrusted with a monumental task, what Sussmeier came up with is possible. By the way, you can hear Sussmeier's version on a 1995 disc from Les Arflorissants, directed by William Christie. Remember the lacrimosa and how Mozart only wrote the first eight bars? Let's hear that in Sussmeier's rendering. Musicologists, audiences, and performers haven't ever been entirely satisfied with Sussmeier's work, finding it lacking in some places, weak in key moments, and unconvincing in others. Given that, many have offered their own solutions. In the 1970s, German violist and musicologist Franz Bayer reinstrumented the Sussmeier version. The 1989 Deutsche Grammophone recording conducted by Leonard Bernstein is this Franz Bayer version, and the first recording of Mozart's Requiem I ever owned and loved. Nicola Arnoncourt, too, has championed the Bayer edition. But did you know that many others, among them Richard Maunder and Robbins Landon, have also made their own adaptations of the Requiem score? Landon, for his part, favors Eibler's ideas for instrumentation over Sussmeier's. Still others, like Robert Levin, have set Sussmeier's editions largely aside, reorchestrating with their own ideas, a la Mozart. Levin's Requiem a la Mozart came out in 1991, and it's a version that in the past two decades has been recorded numerous times. The 2013 United Classics recording, conducted by Ralph Otto and featured on today's podcast, is one such recording. After studying and researching Mozart's style and musical language, here's a taste of how Robert Levin in the Lacrimosa continued the movement. Notice how at the end, Levin replaces some of Sussmeier's material, also adding the Amen Fugue.
another example from the Sanctus, Susmeyer's version first. Levin's completion, in which he reworks Susmeyer's Sanctus. prefer? Is one more vibrant, more convincing than the other? What must it be like to try to get inside the compositional mind of Mozart, one of the most enduringly famous composers in history? In keeping with the performance tradition of this piece, I look forward to new scholarship and imaginings with intrigue and interest. This has been the Harmonia Early Music Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this recording of Mozart's Requiem, you can find it on our website harmoniaearlymusic.org. While you're there, check out our archive of blogs, podcasts, and shows, and visit our online shop, where a portion of your purchase will benefit Harmonia. I'm Janelle Davis. Thanks for listening.